pleasure. Hey, everybody, Utility Free Podcast, episode 113. Rob, you're with Startup.Security. I've been talking about it all week, everybody here and more. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what you do and what your specialty is? Sure, with pleasure. Um, So, uh, like Adam said, uh, my name is Rob DeCespedes. I'm the Chief Information Security Officer at Startup Security. Uh, right now, what our main focus is, is to kickstart security for Series A and Series B funded startups and smaller industry environments where we understand that the people who are building these companies are building a product. They're, they're laser focused on trying to get something done and trying to get a product out the door and more often than not, they're not looking at their security posture. They're definitely not looking at how attackers are trying to hit them. And unfortunately, very often, they're finding themselves in a place where either their um, IP is being stolen or they're just being beaten up by attackers in a way that they never thought of because they were so focused on getting something done that they didn't really think about their security posture. So that's where we come in. We help everything from SOC 2 type 2 uh, audits, whatever it is. Honestly, we've done, I've flown drones to figure out like how people could break into your building correctly or not. I've uh, done physical security audits and broken into lots of places myself. We've got a lot of fun with, you know, flipper zeros and a bunch of other different RF frequency, uh, radio frequency stuff to break into buildings. Uh, we do everything from software, hardware, and just straight up social engineering. Um, whatever you got, we have fun breaking it, and that's kind of what we do. Didn't really ask for a uh, a better person to uh, be up here representing uh, you know the community and and spreading this information because we have a lot of startups here. In fact, I'd say the majority of this you know well, it's a new tech space, but a lot of people here have you know great visions and uh you know they're outsourcing to de- developers in other countries and stuff they don't really know what they're looking at half the time uh, yeah there's certainly a lot of vulnerabilities and uh knowing you guys run nodes and, and fly drones that just takes it to a whole nother level well the great part about existing in this space right now and i'm sure a lot of these people who are listening or who you know who are involved here will be able to appreciate is that I've lived in the crypto web three mindset since 2009, since the Bitcoin white paper came out, I've run mining farms. I've had Beowulf clusters that were running, uh, nodes and, and, you know, done hard disk mining and all sorts of the other kind of stuff that, that has developed over the years. And the tough thing is you can't put that on a resume. Nobody wanted to pay you because you've set up, you know, 30 hard drives and you've been mining some stupid made up coin for however long. Uh, We're finally in a place where because I've done this for this long, I understand the intricacies of of node ops. I understand how it is to defend uh, your wallet. You know, what what does it take to what is a a um, a hot wallet versus a cold wallet. Like this kind of stuff wasn't anything anyone cared about on a, on a resume up until very recently. So um, taking my background in cybersecurity and then merging it with my passion for Web3 and crypto, 
Um, I'm actually just launching my first set of uh, job applications where I'm, I'm now looking for people who have lived in this space for a while. But it just it there weren't real jobs available to us up until very recently. So now that this is becoming like a real functional space for businesses, it's just it's huge to be able to say, I get it. This is a new space. We're all trying to get there together, but none of you are thinking about security. And that's where we want to step in and, and be that security voice. Yeah, we definitely need uh, all the help we can get with the security side of things. Cause uh, yeah, I've been told from some of my uh, developer friends that it's uh, you know, as much as it is the wild, wild West with the NFT rug pulls and everything, it's the kind of the same nonsense going on on the back end with some of these things. So it's uh, education's important. You know, I know that we talked about that quite a bit at uh you know that uh, off-chain networking event it's it's all about education and i i posted that blog you made and uh, i've been reading up on the blog you have on the website and uh, it's all great information so i recommend anybody listening go check out the website especially the blog the startup.security backslash blog and um i know you wanted to talk about nft rug pulls and that's what i'm really excited to talk about because we have a lot of as you can see from the profile pictures around us we have a lot of nft enthusiasts and i myself have uh you know at one point or, or another been uh swept up by a uh, particular project you know like uh like bo pierce or, or bumblebearers you know sure and uh so uh do you mind if i just get get going get there going platforms yours all right so all right you know with with everything that is technical in nature, history is more important than most people think. And uh, one of the bigger things is the history of how these things came to be is actually really, really interesting. Um, I'm not going to go into like a diatribe about it, but my main point where I'd like to begin is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And since the beginning of time, since the beginning of value, you know, the, the earliest jobs in the world war were uh, prostitution, running a bar and encryption. As soon as somebody learned they wanted to bank somebody, they did. Then they went and they got drunk and then they wanted a way to tell their buddy about it without anybody else knowing that they did either of those things. And those are the three most important and early occupations in history. Beyond that, everyone has tried to find a way to find a shortcut of how do I get to be rich even though my parents aren't rich and my grandparents aren't rich, I want to get, what's the shortcut? How do I get there? Right. Um, throughout history, that path from not rich to rich has been tough to say the least. Uh, what we've seen in our lifetimes is not one, but two major avenues to go from not rich to rich that almost all of us can find a cousin or a distant relative or a friend of a friend that either made a lot of money in the dot-com boom in the late 90s, early 2000s, or found something huge in the crypto world. What the dot-com boom did was it gave people this like weird dream of, you know, if Jeff Bezos can get rich and he's just some weird bald guy from South Florida, then I can get rich. And, but the difference there was 
Jeff Bezos did something. He built a product. He made Amazon. He he gave everyone an avenue to be able to get what they want quickly and cheaply. Great. Um, there's a bunch of other examples. A lot of people got rich in the dot-com boom, but it's just one example. Then once crypto became a thing, the stories that abounded were of people who bought 10,000 you know, Bitcoin at 20 bucks, and now they're billionaires. And so all it takes is three or four or five people who have gone through that, that story spreads. And now everybody thinks this is the way to get rich. Um, The point here is, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Not everyone can just get rich because they got in on some shit coin at the beginning of, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I've seen a lot of people get in on Shiba Inu, on the whole Dogecoin thing was fantastic to watch if you were watching it from a place where you weren't planning on paying your mortgage with it. But um, it's just, it's a great place to say, yes, if you get in at the right time and get out at the right time, you can make some money. Great. But the people who are able to get in and get out in a way that they go from being poor to being millionaires, there's not a lot of that going around Uh, and it's probably statistically not going to happen to you. So watch anything where somebody says you're going to be a millionaire soon with the tiniest grain of salt, because it's probably not going to work. Going off of that point, this puts us in a place right now, people who have grown up watching the dot-com boom, watching crypto make certain people rich and certain people, you know, not so rich. Uh, We just came off of the whole GameStop um, you know, diamond hands fun that everybody had with, uh, with Reddit, all of these things made some people, some money, but they didn't make everybody money. So everyone who like passively came on board and didn't make money and got mad about it. It's because, yeah, you were passive. You weren't hundred percent involved. You weren't there from the beginning. So you lost out on the, the nuance and the stuff that made it, make the early people money. Um, So when it comes to NFTs, it was the same kind of thing. Everybody saw the big stories, you know, the, the, uh, the apes that were selling for 50 grand that people bought for nothing, the different kinds of NFTs where if you got in at the right time, you become filthy rich. And it led to a lot of people who weren't super paying attention to the ins and outs of what was really happening investing in these NFT projects and getting involved in what we now call rug pulls. So what is a rug pull? (laughs) Um, There are a couple of places where I'm going to break it down into basically two different variations. What people on the buying end called a rug pull are any project where they bought in And then all of a sudden, everyone disappeared. But there's two scenarios in which that can happen. One, where the project leads or the artist or whoever started the project legitimately either runs out of time or money and doesn't have either to keep going with the project. Those normally end with a sad message to the group saying, you know, I'm really sorry. I don't have the time or the effort or the backing to keep going on this thing. 
I don't consider those really rug pulls, but when you are on the buying end, you paid some money for a thing and now it's dead. You're left with a worthless set of JPEGs. Um, the side I really want to get into are where a, um, a malicious actor or a malicious group, normally between three to 10 people, build a fake project, get people involved, get them to contribute money to this project, sell a bunch of NFTs, and then they disappear. That is what I consider to be a traditional full-blown rug pull. The crazy thing is because of the way that this whole thing has been set up, the way it's been understood to function within the environment right now, and anybody who's dealt with big NFT projects or even small NFT projects on, the, on this conversation would understand because we've all done it. The ability to make three to 10 people look like 30 to 100 people and thereby um, convince 500 to 1,000 people to contribute funds to a project is inherently built into the system right now. And that's where I wanted to get in this conversation. I, I want to talk to people about what to look for, what to avoid. Um, oddly enough, some of the things to look for and avoid are also the things that can help you move up in an NFT project. If you want to get better standing for uh, raffles or the kinds of things that they make incentives for being more involved. So it'll work in both ways. Um, at the same time that I'm telling you what to work uh, watch out for, I will be telling you how to probably move your name up in a project for an NFT um, that's coming to market or that's trying to become more prevalent. Um, how does that sound so far? I mean, I, I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you. I think there's a little gray area with people that start an NFT project and then just they never give their goodbye speech. Right. Like I can name a handful off the top of my head if I scroll through my wallet long enough that they were here, they were making art and we bought it and then they're not here anymore or they are here anymore. They're just using a different, you know, name and new project and they just kind of, you know, gave up on it. Is that still in your eyes considered a rug pull or is it more of like a, uh, I don't know what you'd call that, just being a, a, a crappy person? <laughs> I would put that more in the like, crappy person nice. uh, column Be because a lot of people have done that, you know, and, and they tried to get a thing going and then they were like, ah, well, you know, I got a day job to get back to and this isn't, but if they collected funds, you know, if they charged like 200 bucks for an NFT and they made a thousand of them and they made like a few thousand bucks off the backs of people who really believed in their project. Yeah. I'd consider that a rug pull. I, I, I do agree. And I'm going to not say their names, but Hey, I'm glad we have uh, an expert opinion agreeing with uh, us on that. And I uh, know everything you're saying is right on cue. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and just to be clear, we have uh, Jason and you know, Chiz here who are both uh, developers. Uh, Jason's more on the W2, Web2 side and then uh, Chiz, well, I guess him too, C++ and all sorts of stuff. So uh, that's why they're up here to, to speak. But um, yeah, man, rug pulls and, and the hype, that's what it is. It's all hype and marketing and everything, right? It's all about, uh, you know, using bots, you know, scrape bots, mass mentions, you know, targeting people and, uh, you know, promising the world. 
I would love to hear about those raffle tickets because this meta win thing, it's like, hey, they're free tickets and all this stuff. And uh, I know a couple of people that have been putting money into it. And I know I got a free ticket the other day and I felt bamboozled. So is, is that what you're referencing with the raffle ticket stuff? The raffle ticket is a thing that corporations have been drinking the Kool-Aid on a bit. And it's it's been crazy. Like I saw it last year for the um, for the Formula One races. Uh, uh, Mercedes of all the companies, FTX managed to sell Mercedes on the raffles, on the raffle tickets. And then they were raffling off raffle ticket NFTs to be able to attend the Mercedes Formula One party at the Miami Grand Prix on Miami Beach. And I know people bought tens of thousands of dollars worth of these raffle tickets and they didn't matter. Because if you had a ticket to get into the party, you just got in. The raffle tickets did nothing. And, well, we all know FTX now has, you know, a more than shady uh, operating, uh, you know, everything. But um, it's just one example of how a shady NFT posture can now influence one of your upstream uh, business partners in a way that makes Mercedes look like idiots because they let FTX bully them essentially into this thing they didn't have any knowledge of. And now Mercedes looks like the morons and FTX is underwater. So what does that matter? Yeah. And a lot of hype, even for the, uh, the big guys, they see the money in this too, but, uh, it's the little guys you got to watch out for rug pulling. I mean, I guess the big guys as well, but you know, they're not too big if they're just going to rug pull and disappear, I guess. You know, they're going to have a, a slow cascade of, uh, you know, liquidity problems or however they'll phrase it and then move on to the next project. What is it, Luna 2.0 now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's get into the whole rug pull thing. So let me preface this whole thing by saying that I'm, I'm presently involved with a couple of big movers in building instead of just web three wallets, having smart contract wallets that have rules built in that don't uh, built in that don't allow for things like you get an airdrop in, uh, open you click on that airdrop, you sign it. And now your drop, your wallet gets drained. I am working with some some high level uh, Web three uh, backend developers to f- trying to build a way where that kind of thing is never allowed, because there's no conceivable universe where that's a desired um, function. In what world would you ever want to sign something and your entire wallet gets drained? That's never a thing you want, right? So, I just want to say that ahead of time that I'm already working with some people to fix that, um, but. Coming back to the landscape we live in right now, before we are able to figure that out, right now, you can go to OpenSea, you can see an airdrop land on your account, you click on it, you sign it, and all of a sudden, boom, everything in your wallet's gone. And that's all of the EC20, everything that exists on an Ethereum subplane, gone. And that's super messed up, obviously. Nobody wants to have that happen in their, uh, to any of the things that they own. Um, but beyond that, let's talk about what happens to most people. Cause that's, that's less normal. If you get a, if you get an airdrop for something you didn't sign up for, I hope most people wouldn't click on it. Um, 
but that's just one way that people get to you. Let's talk about the actual things that are happening with rug pulls, with organized uh, groups who are trying to trick you into committing money to their project and then they disappear. So what happens is they hype their project. And again, you don't need a lot of people. What you need is people who are good at looking like a lot of people. So three to 10 people make a bunch of accounts on Discord, on Gmail, and a bunch of other places. They make them unrelated. They use VPNs to cycle through where their geolocations are. And three to 10 people can become 30 to 100 people. Now, those 30 to 100 people um, make five to 10 different uh, identities that are the admins. They're going to be the main admin. They're going to be the vice admin. They're going to be the lead developer. They're going to be the head of art and all that kind of stuff, right? And now you join this Discord channel after seeing this hype that they've paid maybe 500 bucks for a Google ad that shows up or a Facebook or a meta ad that shows up in your Instagram feed and you see some art that you think is kind of cool. So you check out their discord and they're like, Oh, you can't join our discord until you own one of our NFTs. So now you go on OpenSea, you buy one of their NFTs, you come back to their discord. You, uh, you jump on uh, whatever authentication method they have. And then you show, you expose your wallet to their discord channel to say, I own at least one of your NFTs. Great. Now you get on, you get access to their channel. Cool. Now you see a very active 100, 200 people that are talking about what their project is. And they've got a bunch of different uh, raffles. They're spreading into different languages. They're trying to do a bunch of stuff, which happens in every single NFT Discord. All of them. They all happen exactly the same way organically, whether they are legitimate or not. All of them are trying to boost uh, engagement. They're trying to spread to different parts of the world. So they're increasing their, their language development. So they're, they definitely very quickly up your status if you can help contribute to translating some of what they're doing into different languages, which is, by the way, one of the best ways and easiest ways to big up your own status within an NFT project that you believe in. Um, I guess 50, 50, I might have to break this up. How much of it I'm trying to tell people not to do and how much I'm trying to tell them to do, but, um, but yeah, so it's normal to jump into a discord for a new NFT project and see, all right, you've got the stuff that's going on. You've got your everyday chatter. You've got questions, you've got, um, help. There's always going to be an art section and a contribution section, which right now the easiest thing is to, dump whatever the NFTs publicly available images are into an AI generator and then let it generate new images and then repump those back into the original art contribution, which I'm saying with air quotes because you didn't make the art, you just pumped it into an AI art generator. And now by throwing it back into the discord, you get moved up in their um, rankings of who gets moved up on the next free giveaway or, you know, airdrop or whatever it is. And um, the problem is finding a way of realizing that this isn't 
300, 500, 1,000 people con contributing to this project. It's three people who are just writing over and over again and using different accounts to get stuff done. So to avoid that kind of situation, what I would tell most people to do is to look at the background of A, the main artist, and A, the main contributor. I've seen on, on a few occasions where the main artist is being touted as a certain person. But if you go to that person's publicly available sites or what they're doing, or even they might even have an exposed email that you can ask them questions, they will never talk about that project. Every single time I've done this kind of research, when that happens, and then you ask the project, how come the artist that you're naming doesn't want to talk about the project? They'll say, oh, because it's in development and they don't, um, they don't want to talk about it until it's, it's been released. That's bullshit. That's never the case. Any artist who's contributing their time and effort to a project wants as many eyes on that project as possible as soon as possible. No one will ever hide the project from you. There's no like Andy Warhol of NFTs. That's not a thing. So if somebody, if a project lists an artist and that artist themselves say nothing about that project, avoid that project at all costs. That's going to be a rug pull. Giant red flag. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, I was just going to say there are quite a few examples like a kid named beast was made by the same person that made the Kiraverse avatars, which originally was a person named Goldie Millie off of art station. But now they go by Anatolio Bustolio or something. Now they're Italian gentlemen. They sell AI pictures on OpenSea for $1,200 a piece because the Kira voice Kiraverse fanboys just can't, can't Google things. So um, I see that happening, but yeah, a lot of these bigger projects like a kid named beast will say, yes, that we got the concept art from one artist, but then we had a team of three artists to make like the traits and everything. So I see that uh, as well. Yeah. But they'll, they'll normally play by their, whatever name they're using for the project. That's the name they'll use. Right. So sure. Some Googling you'll find like, Oh, that artist has gone by a different name for some other thing. But if you're trying to figure out if a project is going to be a rug pull or not, and they have like, this is the artist making our thing. And then you can find some link to that artist somewhere and ask them a question. And they're saying like, I have no attachment. That's the red flag. Super red flag. hundred percent agree. I, uh, yeah, that's uh, never a good sign. That recently happened in our community, in fact. Um, but I heard they all worked it out and now they're going to be an NFT creator themselves. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, I was just agreeing with you. So I didn't mean to take you off your course. No, you're fine. I just, so I just want to be clear because you are right. You know, this is a, a really nimble environment and a lot of these artists do, there have been, and I think there's ample, uh, support for the idea that some of these artists don't want to lend their overarching name to some of these projects. You know, they might have a pseudonym for one smaller project or something might be a little niche and they don't want to, you know, use their, their main name or their, even their, you know, legal name for a thing. And so they might use a pseudonym. That's fine. But the pseudonym will always stick with the project. So if the project says we're using Apex as our, 
artist for the thing and you managed to find Apex somewhere or they link to Apex and you write them like, hey, I really love your work, you know, and, and I, I'm trying to get involved in this project. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That right there should be a red flag. 100%. In fact, uh, again, recently happened within the uh, small niche community of the L2 space. Uh, our simple reverse image shirts found a different artist and it was quite the hub of beloved. But um, yeah, these are the things to look out for. And especially if you're going to invest majorly into a project, it's good to, uh, you know, do certain preliminary uh, research. So do you have any tips on that kind of research? Hmm. Uh, always check uh, the the blockchain for what it is you're trying to invest in. Uh, I'll give you a really good example. There was a project. Um, there's a project I really love that I'm actually still invested in. It's called Royal.io. And what it is, is royalties for musicians. They're selling chunks of the songs that they put out that you can buy an NFT for that gives you, depending on what tier buyer you are, if you buy at the very beginning, you get something like access, access to a Discord and a few other things. And then no matter where you buy it along the chain, if, you've, if you're like the third buyer of that NFT, what you still get no matter what is a chunk of the selling price for the online sales of that song. So that song gets played 10,000 times on Spotify, you get a certain amount of money and they pay out every quarter. So every three months. That's pretty cool. That to me is, a, yeah, it, it seems to me to be a very like, utilitarian it's an easy sell for people who don't understand nfts like people who don't really get the idea of like buying a piece of art but when you're doing it with a, a song and then you're getting a chunk of the royalties afterwards it, it's an easier sell to people who don't really get the concept so if you were to go online and try and buy one of these nfts on the day that they drop obviously they sell it very quickly depending on the, on who the artist is and all that kind of stuff. But if you go on to OpenSea, for example, you will find perfectly matching identical pictures of those NFTs for sale under names that aren't attached to the project. And that's where you have to do your due diligence and figure out like, okay, I know if I buy them from royal.io, absolutely, that's going to be the right thing. But Royal.io sold out in 25 minutes, so there's nothing left. So now I go back to OpenSea, and I see who's selling them. And the greatest part there is you have the um, chain of custody all the way from the beginning. So what you do is you go all the way to the beginning, and you say, who sold it to the initial buyer? And that's where you connect that to the Royal.io and see if these are the same sellers, because you can check them against the blockchain. This is the part where all crypto sales are better than normal transactions you make with your debit card or when you're buying something at Burger King. You can now check to see the thing you're buying is the thing you're paying for. And it just takes a little bit of extra work and people aren't 100% sure on how to do that work. So let me... Um, 
Actually, Adam, if you can fill the space for like a couple minutes, let me look up exactly fill the space, man. <laughs> and let me let me find uh, where to tell people to go and look so that I can actually give the real um, yeah. the real way of figuring it out rather than just saying go go. And if you want, you can comment <laughs> it, and then I can pin it to the top so everybody can see it. Just like I put my buddy Archod's work at the top, his new Open Sea collection, right there. Um, I'm filling up space so you get working, you know. I'm 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 King Filibuster. I got a clean 15 I'm working on. Yo, Chiz, you want to hit us with your catchphrase? Everybody follow everybody. I'm catching off guard. You're driving through the mountains. You probably can't hear me, Chiz. Uh, long-standing so, running joke. What's up, Rob? Just to get back to it, uh, anybody who's worried about this kind of thing, right? You wanna you wanna buy a token something in the NFT space, you're not sure if it's the right seller, you go to Etherscan, uh, etherscan.io. And I'll, yeah, I'll send that to you so that you, I'll put it in the, in the reply. Yeah, we're familiar with Etherscan, although this is a, a layer two community predominantly here. We, uh, we also venture out. We're part of the, uh, well, except for a few of us, the majority here are part of the, uh, the GameStop uh, collective that uh, onboarded when layer two was figured out by Loopring. Um, so a lot of people here, you know, they don't deal with OpenSea, but Etherscan, all this import, you know, subvert loop exchange for OpenSea, and you have the exact same rules because you can track all the different tax ashes and all that stuff and get the like official mint ID and all that stuff, token ID. So, right. Exactly. So that, that, that would be like layer one. If you think you're being bamboozled, check Etherscan. Check Etherscan. All right. Chiz couldn't hear us. That's why he had to dip out. But um, yeah, check Etherscan. And um, always make sure you're, you know, hey, we got a, uh, hey, Mudblood's here. Anyway, um, we were talking about rug pulls. The definition of a rug pull is the intention or the the swiftness of the uh, disbanding of the, you know, the project, right? It's like, uh, if well, they again, apologize from, from our, and come out in front of it, you know, and try to make amends. We, from a consumer side, from the consumer side, any time you put in money and then the project dies, that's a rug pull, right? I, I, I would agree with that. Yes. I just, uh, you know, going back over everything we said and, uh, now we're at, you know, being safe with, uh, making sure we have the original mints. I know you wanted to talk about scamming, and I know quite a few people uh, would also like to hear about that. That's for sure. In case you were. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So I've done a lot of work. I, I Part of what I do on my weekends, I'm big into scamming scammers. That's I, I like to think of it like any, any minutes I spend wasting these people's time or minutes that they're not getting somebody's grandma to buy, you know, Amazon gift cards and like draining their retirement funds. So I take great pleasure in wasting their time. But along the years, what has happened is I've been able to figure out where the rabbit hole goes. So at face value, a lot of times you'll get a scan, a scam initiation. And most people would normally not, uh, you know, interact because they seem really obvious. And one of the questions I had when I first started studying in cybersecurity in general was, why are we still seeing Nigerian print scams? 
Like, why is this still a thing? Everyone knows this is bullshit. Why do we still see it? And the answer was actually genius to me, which is they send the most obvious thing possible so that if anyone answers, they know they've got a hook in. This person is so oblivious to what's going on around them that they know this is worth their time. And the same is true for crypto scams. They, the one we see the most is cash flipping, which is, uh, you know, give me $200 for this thing now and I'll turn it into $1,000 by the end of the week. The thing is that they're targeting people who are having the toughest time either paying their bills or just living their life. So they're, they're going through very specifically, and we did a lot of work looking into how these things were targeted. They target single parents. They target um, people who are in bad financial situations. So people with low credit scores, people who are having trouble paying their bills, anyone who is searched. And again, a lot of this stuff is available just as a marketer. So if you go onto Meta or even into Google Ads, you can actually type in things that help you target people who are in a bad financial situation. It's not as simple as give me everyone with a bad credit score, but you can craft your targeting in a way that definitely hits people who are having a tougher time paying their bills. So what you do is you attack them with something that says, hey, buy this NFT or get into crypto, which you don't understand. You know, buy some Bitcoin. You don't get it, but I do. Let me tell you how to how to get rich on this thing. The problem is if that person has a thousand dollar mortgage that they need to meet that week and they only have $500 in their bank account. And then you come at them with a get rich quick targeted thing that says, give me your $500 and I'll turn it into $1,500 by the end of the week. That person is now giving up all the money they have, which was already not enough to pay their, their mortgage because they think you're going to provide them with an answer. And all of this is targeted at people who are so desperate that you've now tried, you've now successfully given them a source of hope. And then when you get to the point where they have to pay their mortgage, they have nothing, not even the 500 that they gave you. So now you come back to them and say, all right, oh my God, I'm so happy to tell you this. Your 500 actually turned into $5,000. But because it jumped so much, you're now, you were in the silver tier before, now you're in the gold tier. I can't give you that 5,000 until you put another thousand in, and then I'll be able to give it back to you. It's just, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong section. I didn't expect it to grow this much. So now that person to pay their mortgage has to reach out and borrow money from people just to get you money. Cause they think you're going to be able to get them even more money. And this loop keeps going until the person either is completely destitute and runs out of people to beg for money from, or the scammer just like gets lazy and disappears. But it's all meant to prey on people who are so desperate to do something with money that they don't have, that they're willing to go above and beyond and, and reach out because they need this to live. So the whole system is meant, and we've seen this over and over and over again, and every single type of different uh, tactic of this sort, that if you're in a place where you're having a tough time paying for things, or you know, you're not doing well financially, and somebody comes to you and says, 
hey, um, I have a way of you making double what you need. Stay the hell away from that person. Do not answer those texts or phone calls. <laughs> Just stay away because it's always targeted. And nobody's ever actually trying to save you. And, you know, what's crazy is none of these scams are, are original at all. I remember, you know, back when we first had instant messenger, you would get these kind of, hey, PayPal me 500, I'll get you a thousand. And then, you know, we see pretty much the same tactics with sports gambling. It's like, wow, I turned your 1000 into 10,000, but I have inside info that we can turn this 10 into 50,000. You know, now it goes from 1,000 to 25,000. You're thinking you got it made and, you know, hell, put in a little bit more. And, uh, you know, so it's, you know, the financial scams that are happening today in crypto are the same scams that have been happening forever. It's just been repackaged with this sexy tech tech vibe and that sexy get rich quick off of memes thing. And it's, um, well, it's certainly degenerate, but... There is a much brighter side of Web3, and it is these kind of, you know, it's funny you bring up royalty share contracts. We exceed talent capital as somebody that we've uh, had on the show. Great, great company. Um, and they're the same thing. It's a royalty share contract. You can get buy the NFT, stake the NFT to get, you know, points or whatever for royalty contracts. I'm not too sure. Um, but they came on the show. Great people. And uh yeah, I like the asset, the real life asset backed NFT things, right? Like Omni Horse Racing, they're, you know, part of Ammo Racing. They've been around like over a hundred years and they have a stable of horses. So you buy fractional ownership of the horses, you get a percentage of the, you know, overall royalties that the horses do during these uh these racing events. So it's interesting stuff. The uh the tech space, obviously, uh a lot of great innovation, a lot of creativity. And then you have, uh, you know, mixed about really bad actors with really great marketing. And I think it comes from, you know, selling, selling the idea of the product before actually making the product. And a lot of these guys do this where they'll sell, Hey, you know, you're going to, you're, you're funding this future utility, right? This future utility. And, uh, you know, unless there's a smart contract built in, which is like how DAOs came about, right? Unless there's some form of like, you know, contract in which you're insured if they're like, you know, kind of the dividends or the royalties or, you know, the benefits of being an early supporter, you know, basically it's just Kickstarter without, you know, a refund policy. So um, it's, it's good to be safe. You know, there's a lot of games that put out NFTs a year before, you know, they finish having the alpha. Um, but then there's some games that make the NFTs and they wait, you know, till they have the finished game before they put them out. So, um, I, I do have some questions uh, as soon as you're done with, uh, you know, I know you have some stuff prepared, but uh, yeah, I, I do have a list of questions because this is uh, very interesting stuff. Sure. Uh, let me just, I have, I have one more, uh, maybe two more things that I kind of wanted to go over, which is how the scams spill over specifically into um, the crypto space. And it's, it's the idea that, Everyone has heard about crypto on the news or, you know, you've got that one cousin who won't shut up about Bitcoin or whatever. So everyone's heard about it. But most people have no idea how any of this works. I have a lot of people asking me, like, how do I make a wallet or how do I, you know, what's a cold wallet? What's a hot wallet? Like all that kind of stuff. 
and I'm happy to sit and talk about it all day. But what that shows me is that most people have no idea what it is they're trying to get done. They know about this thing. It's made some people rich. How do I get involved? Right. But what has resulted in that is a new form of exactly what you're saying, where these aren't new tricks. They're just tricks wearing a new, you know, sheep's clothing. And um, one of the ones I've seen the most, which I, I found fascinating, was where you um, you get a, a, a WhatsApp or a text message and it, it's meant to look like it was gotten to you by mistake. And it says, hey, man, uh, I managed to get your new account set up. Here's the website and here's your username and password. Uh, don't share that with anybody. Uh, get back to me, you know, with what you think. Sure enough, you go to the website, you use the username and password they gave you, and it's an online crypto wallet. And it has $100,000 worth of Gemini in it. And so what they expect and what people sometimes do is they try to transfer that entire <laughs> contents of that wallet to their cold wallet or to their Coinbase or to whatever. And then you now get a series, a flurry of new stuff coming at you, telling you that that wallet belonged to somebody that was in the mafia. And even though if you did try to transfer a legitimate wallet, it didn't work because it's designed to not work because there was never any actual funds in it. Um, the mafia people are now telling you, we don't give a shit whether you got the funds or not. That was our wallet and it was our money and you took it. And now they want real IRL money in, they want fiat cash for the fake money that you took from them, even though it never went into your wallet. So, that I think is one of the best examples of somebody who knows just enough to see what the thing is, log in and then try and transfer it out, but is now trapped in like this new hellscape of weirdness and who's unfortunately sad enough to believe that the real mafia gives a shit about any of this. Um, but it's a very good example of how they're taking an old trope and bending it to this new technology. And so that's another place where, again, if it feels too good to be true, it is. Um, I, I run a bunch of different, I have some Bitcoin identities in, in Instagram and a few places where I, I'm trying to legitimately help people. And I will get real answers uh, and questions from people being like, hey, how do we, you know, how do I do X, Y, and Z? I recently got one that said like, hey, uh, my daughter passed away and she has this wallet and I don't know how to get into it. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, what do you, what do you need? I'm like, sorry, you know, condolences, but what, what do you, how can I help? And then they sent me the entire seed phrase for the wallet. And I was like, okay, I hope you're not actually a person who thinks that this is the right way of going about this. Um, if you are just use that, download whatever wallet they had and, Make it work. Uh, also, delete this message if you can, and don't ever send this to somebody else. But that was immediately in my mind like, oh, this is somebody trying to trap me. They're trying to get me to build this wallet and something bad is going to happen from it. And that's a, a big place where I don't think people have enough um, experience in this world because 
no one was ever taught. If somebody sends you the seed to build a wallet, it's probably bad. Nobody's going to send you that. And that's where I want to educate people. I want to get into these conversations to, to get everyone in the right mindset to say, you know, if somebody's sending me more information than I should have, they're probably trying to do something bad to me. And, um, and that's the mentality I want everyone to be in, not to be paranoid all the time, but if somebody's engaging you, especially in this crypto world that we now live in, and they're giving you information that you didn't ask for, it's probably because they're a bad guy. Amen. Preach it up. That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, you're going out of your way to help people and it, it leaves you vulnerable, which just shows how, uh, you know, wild, wild west or degenerate the space is. But I like to think of it, it's going through its puberty stage. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's getting, you know, it's 16, whatever. It's, it's getting up there and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going, it's just, it's, it's acting out a little bit, but I think we're going to grow out of it. I think it's just a phase. And I think, um, well, you know, I think education is the most important thing. So I did pin at the top, uh, the link to his blog. It is pinned up there. I also pinned the, uh, Bumberry media learn section, which is being updated every day. I don't know why it's not being promoted more, but I will uh, make sure I, I keep up on that because there's a, a new article. It's pretty interesting. And again, that's, a, you know, one, well, one part, one, one part of a course for a 12 part course series. So there's a lot of good stuff going to be put on there. And as far as education goes, you know, making sure that we can inform the new people coming into the community who are being onboarded, especially from web three gaming, which seems to be, you know, at least, uh, socially like uh, the understanding kind of be the Trojan horse for mass adoption would be a big influence in it. Um, there seems to be like a lot of vulnerabilities in my opinion, with the, like the wallet connects or the NFT rental systems. And uh, is, is this something you're familiar with? Is this something you're concerned about? I mean, I, I get that in discord, like collab land is kind of the accepted way of of showing ownership and that's fine but like i've seen things that are a collab bland you know, like instead of collab space land or whatever the the differentiation is where like they'll move the space over or or change at a period somewhere and now by submitting your wallet to this thing that's supposed to verify for your discord access again you've dumped the contents of your wallet and so uh, people need to be aware of very slight differences in what's supposed to be used. So if a channel says they use collab land, make sure that the thing that is being used to identify and verify your ownership of an NFT or whatever asset it is that you're supposed to own to gain access uh, is the thing that they said they use. Cause that can all be done even in like a supply chain type attack where Maybe even the purveyors of the site don't know that somebody has infiltrated and changed what the verification method is. That has happened a couple of times that I've seen that too much to the dismay of the people running um, the, uh, the, the site that's trying to validate. As far as the gaming is concerned, I personally love the idea of NFTs in games. The idea of owning something, you know, being able to level up, skill up, 
upgrade your weapons and then you own them like they exist in your private wallet i think that's awesome i'm i'm not a big mmo guy but like in you know if in call of duty if if i still own some of the weapons i had from 5 years ago i would love to actually own them in my private wallet that would be awesome uh, so I love those ideas. I, I played a little bit in like Axie Infinity and some of these other NFT driven games that um, I, I just had to write about. So I played so I would know enough about them to write well about what their point was. And I actually really like the idea of being able to skill up a thing that you own. It, it did get take me back to like a Tamagotchi kind of mentality, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I, I really appreciate the idea of taking ownership of a thing that you're dumping time and money into. So I love all of that. Um, as far as the, as the security is involved, I think making the wallets and the transactions smarter is where I'd like to approach that. But um, from a game developer standpoint, I, I haven't talked to many of them. I'm actually about to pen a deal with a VR game developer. Uh, I'm talking to them next week where I might be able to help, to help them on the inside of that kind of thing. But up until now, it's more about making the contracts on the wallet smarter to not allow for deviant or uh, completely negative transactions to exist as a whole. Um, but I, as far as the gaming side is concerned, that's as far as I've gotten into it. Well, you're on the cutting side of everything. Um, you know, I was referring more to the NFT rental systems like Axie Affinity, where you had to rent the NFT, but coincidentally speaking in a much better segue, we do have Yo Chiz here. Uh, part of Neighborhood Tales, which NFT gaming's come a long, long, long way since uh, Axie Affinity. <laughs> I can send you some browser games you can play. You don't even need to connect your wallet. Uh, and you can play right away as a guest. You don't need to make an account. Um, they're very, very cool. But uh, Chizzy has been working on a game. You know, he finished his NFTs 18 months ago, all, all the back-end stuff, uh, you know, as far as tokenomics go. But he's been working on the game, hasn't sold a single NFT yet. And, uh yeah, I think he's a good example of how uh, people should approach, you know, this kind of thing. When if you don't have a product made and you need the funding, you know, you know, make sure you're uh, giving back to those who are funding it, right? And uh, you know, he he said he took it upon himself to make it. But uh, you know, Chiz, you wouldn't happen to have any uh, quick questions from a man here, would you? Uh, I don't have any questions right now, but I think you're an amazing person, and I would love to build with you. Uh, I don't have the best of signal right now. I'm cutting it out. As you said earlier, I'm probably the mountains. That's exactly where I'm at right now. But I would love to, uh, if we can do like a part two or we can, you know, exchange information, I'll follow you and we can uh, build on that level. I'll make sure to uh, pin your, you know, your your project uh, up there. And I'll also send it to Rob as well. So he has the info for that project. Because that's, that's a great project. And uh, Baron Davis is, uh, you know, celebrity endorsement but uh you know uh that's pretty cool but uh rob i know you had a bunch prepared i kind of threw you off with the web3 gaming um you were speaking about uh you know scamming and uh the way it targets but uh are there any new scams coming out because obviously the mass mentions the scrape bots the dms they don't work anymore at least at least i don't fall for that anymore you know what i mean um, what are the, do you got, you got any ideas of what the new scams are going to be? The new, uh, you know, the new rug pulls, the, uh, what to expect coming soon with, uh, potentially layer three, which, you know, as, as layer two does not have smart contracts, 
layer three will potentially. Um, so that's going to leave a, a group of people that have been, you know, dedicated to loopering the whole time uh, in a new situation with smart contracts. So I was just wondering if you had any uh, any tips on uh, upcoming upcoming or, or newer scams that we haven't seen before. So the newest things that are, are like really the bleeding edge of the scam world is, and I'm so sorry to even be talking about this, but I'd like to get ahead of uh, a buzzword that's going around right now, which is AI. AI does not exist. It's not a thing. Computers do what they're programmed to do. And that's the end of it. There's no such thing as artificial intelligence. What there is, is machine learning. And machines have gotten fantastically well-programmed to do some very specific things. And I've actually been using machine learning very recently to do it. I'll take an hour's worth of work and boil it down to four, four minutes because of I can use a machine learning pattern to build either advertising or all sorts of cool stuff. Actually, I found a, a, a new machine learning program that'll help me write um, counter counter intrusion programs for firewalls. Um, so the thing that's coming out now is a new level of spear phishing. Uh, spear, you've all heard of phishing with a PH, which is a phishing email that says like, hey, you just got a promotion, click here to get your new raise or whatever, right? Something that is designed to make you wanna click on the link and then a bad thing will happen. Spear phishing is much more pinpointed and specific. So what spear phishing does is it analyzes your behavior on the internet, on your apps, on your phone, on the stuff that you do day to day. And it creates a much more enticing thing for you to click on, either because it knows certain things about your socioeconomic status or because it knows what you do for a living or you're constantly looking at cat pictures, whatever it is, these systems find a way of figuring out what it is that you're most likely to be curious about and word it in a way that doesn't seem nefarious. And my answer to everyone who is hearing this and thinking, well, what the hell am I supposed to do about that? Is if you get an email from Chase Bank and it has a link in it, don't click that link. Go to chase.com or call your bank and ask them about it. Every single time that you get an email that asks you to click on a thing and you think it might even be a little weird, and I know this is not new news, this is not a new thing, but what I'm telling you is that the emails are crafted so much more skillfully now by systems that are built to analyze language and and analyze your behavior on the internet specifically that they're much more likely to be something that you think twice even if you're a very skilled internet user that you might actually click on don't ever click on it don't click on anything from an email don't do anything that you don't originate yourself if you ever get put in a situation with your computer with your phone and your laptop that you are being drawn into doing a thing don't do it Unless you initiate the action, do not submit anything that's PII, personally identifiable information. Uh, don't submit anything that is important or financially viable or a credit card number into anything that you didn't initiate yourself. That is the best advice I could ever give any of you. 
Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here to give it. That's for sure. Cause, uh, a lot of people need to know, you know, it's, uh, it's a crazy world out there and, uh, it's only getting crazier, but how do you feel? Uh, what do you think web three's best approach for mass adoption is obviously it's inevitable. It is just the next generation of internet, but as far as, uh, you know, kind of recovering our, uh, social stigma, um, you know, we have a lot of different avenues right now. You know, we have the gaming, we have, uh, you know, movie tickets, uh, you know, concert tickets, all sorts of use cases of the royalty share market. Uh, what do you think the best, uh, you know, weapon we have for mass adoption is right now? I love the idea of Web3 as far as ownership of your identity. Being able to say that I am signing this thing to say that I am me and that I own what I own. So, you know, let me in. Right. I love that. Where I think we have to get better is in the mass default configuration of smart contracts and smart wallets to not allow for any of the nefarious um, different actions that are happening right now. Um, so like I said earlier, the idea of like you sign a thing and then your wallet gets drained, there's no world in where that's a function you want. We can work harder and do better work to make sure that all of those nefarious actions are no longer allowed moving forward. And we're, what we're going to need is adoption from major corporations and people who are doing smart contract audits that aren't all located in, you know, Romania and Russia. We need to adopt some, some homegrown U.S. assets who get really good at smart contract audits and smart contract building. Uh, I myself am trying to skill up in this world right now so I can start helping in that universe and making things move forward. Uh, but yeah, it's going to take the bigger companies that are the underlying backbones to the back ends of what fuels the Web3 online universe at the moment, really getting serious about not allowing for bad actions to even be possible on signing, on ownership, and on transfers within the Web3 space. And the good news is I can tell you firsthand that I'm working with some of the bigger companies right now to do the, exactly that. Uh, we're talking literally every day. I have a, a one-hour meeting with one of the back-end companies of one of the larger Web3 providers on the planet. And uh, every day I'm talking to their head of security and I'm, I'm working with their wallet um, DevOps and DevSecOps teams to try and get this really nailed in, nailed down. But um, but yeah, it's going to have to happen. The banks are going to have to get involved. We're going to need big media to get involved. It can't just be coming from Web3 companies. It's going to have to come from the major Fortune 500 companies of of the US and the world. And, um, and yeah, we're, that's the push. That's where I'm trying to get to. I mean, that's a, an admirable goal. You're trying to help people. You know, you're trying to make this more safe. I think that's, uh, you know, the most important thing. And as tech keeps uh, evolving, it, it does seem like, uh, you know, it's moving a little closer than our uh, our morals can, can keep up with, especially with AI. I know you said there's no such thing as AI. It's just machine learning. And I, I do agree with that. You know, it's not artificial intelligence. It's just machine learning. But uh, it does seem to be that... Uh, you know, there is a lot of potential to uh, actually help artists with AI. You know, 
you know, magic voxel blender, all that stuff. Those are computer assisted tools. AI, you know, is, is a computer assisted tool. If used the right way, you know, um, I feel like it inspires a lot of creativity and, uh, have you, have you played with the AI at all? The chat GP or the, uh, generative, uh, art pieces or the, they have movie ones now, which are even crazier. Yeah, we did. So I was gonna, uh, we were working on building a, uh, a secure Linux OS distro. And, uh, we, we had a name for it that was, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it specifically, but it was a specific part of a castle. And one of my marketing guys punched it into one of these AI things and it built all these fake castles. And I was, the video looked awesome. Like it looked like drone video of these castles in Ireland. And when I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Where is this? And he was like, this doesn't exist. This is a totally AI built thing. And, uh, it just, I just punched in castle parts and it, it made it. And I was like, damn, that's really, really cool looking. I've also done the pictures and, and the, the version I was talking about earlier that helped me uh, punch out some, some firewall codes. They, there's, there are some very, very advanced systems here that let you with a well-sculpted question, uh, they spit out very, very useful, uh, code or pictures or, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, it, it also works in the hands of the bad guys. If they're sculpting their questions correctly, it is making it easier for them to do bad stuff to you. And so it's just important to note that you might be using it to make some cool pictures or some, some avatars or whatever it is you're using them for, but the bad guys are using it to target you and to make you click on a thing that will install some malware and make you a part of a botnet or give some CNC contact and now they run, you know, part of your hard drive to move kitty porn around. And sorry, didn't mean to get dark, but there's just a lot of that going on. We love to get dark in this show. Everybody knows I got a, I got a uh, sardonic sense of humor, but uh, no, I, you know, um, yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) I just noticed that uh, Smiley Face, he's, uh, he's actually a Web3 Dev himself, he's a great member of the community, he built his own website, loopworms.io, and it only takes public-facing wallet addresses. Uh, you know, we connect and never unlock or transact. They do all the crypto stuff off-chain. Um, so I was uh, wondering, is that safe enough? You know, is that the right direction to go um, for you know, having kind of more an interactive experience with these, uh, with these NFTs. Cause that's what the site does kind of like a wearables and a uh, couple games. So, you know, unfortunately, because I live in the headspace I live in, is it safe enough? Nothing's ever safe enough. You know, I, I, I carry two guns on me as I walk around every day, but, um, is it better than what most people are doing? Absolutely. And anything that you're doing to improve your security, I commend. And I will say, go forward and keep doing what you're doing. Um, that's that's kind of all I can say. In my mind, nothing's ever safe enough. Well, We're all in danger all the time. Hey, you're not going to hear me uh, argue with that. But uh, I did finally get Smiley to accept that speaker invite. So here he is. Hey. Can you hear hey, me? My, hey, my friend, we can hear you. You're quiet. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I am. Well, so um, 
security through obscurity, right? Uh, don't expose stuff that doesn't need to be exposed. So for example, the, my approach with our site, I wanted to minimize our crypto footprint. We don't need to unlock. We don't need to access wallet contents. We don't need to transact. So we minimize as much as we can. That's the approach. I see a lot of other projects that are doing Web3. They're going to encounter other issues with security because of the way they're accessing wallet contents. Um, so uh, I'm very much appreciative of, of your input. How are you doing? So your security through obscurity um, setup, are you using SSL keys? Are you using publicly yep. uh, usable um, encryption algorithms? Do you have a, a, an update uh, a cadence that you stick to? Yep. Well, first of all, uh, everything's custom. <laughs> I coded the bloody thing in Notepad. Um, we're using. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with the the uh, all the WordPress hacks, right? Um, <laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, I'm keeping up on top of server updates and what have not. Uh, I'm not worried about that. But you know, like I said, uh, we're doing all of our stuff off chain. So I'm grabbing basically a sync of all wallet contents, and I'm grabbing it up off the chain, and I'm just connecting it to to server side uh, to server side resources. Okay, cool. I mean, that's really interesting. I just uh, personally, and in the work that I've done, again, through a place of complete paranoia, I would, I would personally love to either stack or, or revolve the encryption algorithms and then add a salt, because that's just the way I work. Phenomenal. Thank you. So even if you used if back in the day if you used like a like TrueCrypt right which is now defunct very simple encryption thing if you were to make encrypted containers it allowed you to stack an encryption algorithms so you could add two fish and then you could put blowfish on top of that you know and then that definitely made it so that you would have a tougher time trying to break things up and then on top of that it would give you like uh, the ability to move your mouse around. And it would do a randomly generated number based on how you move the mouse and stuff like that. That might, again, be total overkill, but I'm just trying to throw ideas out there. That's crazy. <laughs> stuff. Hold on. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely stacking the algorithms and adding a salt will, will help make things. Um, and this is a lot of I've done a lot of forensic uh, deep digging after the fact for for some companies and for some governments. And um, if everything is properly encrypted or improperly encrypted. And actually a lot of the times it's improperly encrypted, just done so wrong that no one can figure out what they did. Uh, once you blow that encryption key away, you're done, right? Uh, because you're working on transactions, you, you're not looking for uh, obfuscation. You're, you're not trying to protect data in a way that makes it impossible to retrieve, but um, stacking algorithms definitely helps in it when you're trying to make something that you're selling and that is difficult for people to um, to get into. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, it is uh, the more I learn, the more I know I don't. I need to learn. The more I learn, the more I realize that there's so much more out there than just uh, you know what beats the eye. And a lot of people are busy. I, I myself am too busy. I'd like to say. And, um, you know, because of that, I don't have as much time to, you know, read into stuff and me being, you know, I compared to you, I'm, a, I'm an amateur. I, I've been in here since 2016 uh, in the crypto space. But, um, 
you know, I, I don't trust anything, you know, that's just how it is. And, you know, people are telling me I'm missing out on stuff. Like, yeah, I'd say for this way, cause I've lost my hat, you know, I I've lost my hat on the stock market enough times to know when it's too good to be true. But with so many things coming out and there is really cool projects coming out there, it, it, it's so hard to differentiate, you know, sometimes, um, you know, especially with these meta world building uh, platforms like Helix. I'm not sure if you just saw that come out. How do you feel about uh, NFT world building, uh, you know, where you have to buy the land, right, to own the land in, in kind of like a, you know, Grand Theft Auto server without guns, essentially? I mean, I, it's one of those places where I, I, if I had a different mindset, I'd get mad at myself for not getting involved sooner because, again, some people have been able to leverage their entry into that environment in a way that has made them very wealthy. And do I think it's cool? Sure. You know, I've, I've got a VR headset. I like jamming around in, in fake non-meat space as much as the next person. But the idea of owning meta land to me is a little out there. I, I don't think I'd use any real world money for that kind of thing, but that's just me. This is also a guy who put the down payment on his house in Bitcoin money. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of weirdly firmly planted in, in both camps. Wow. I, um, yeah, well, <laughs> RIP, but hey, you're, you're a true one. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't met anybody who's done, did their, uh, you know, their mortgage payment and uh, or their house payment in Bitcoin yet, but it's nice to finally meet you. I knew it happened to, uh, to a few people, but, uh, Hey, that's what being a maxi is all about. So I can get behind that, put in the cold storage and forget about it. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's the wild, wild west. Yeah. I don't, I, I do agree, especially with open world places like spatial.io and there's quite a few other ones popping up where, you know, you're, you have the ability to, uh, you know, import your own structures and, uh, spaces like that. I do think virtual, uh, habitats are the way to go. So I, you know, after this, I'll, I'll send you some of the ones we're constructing. We've got some really cool stuff coming up, uh, we're building a horse racing track for that uh, Omni horse racing I was telling you about before. So in spatial. So that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, I mean, you said you're into the NFT space. You're, you know, you're tried and true. You're, you're, you're into crypto and everything. You obviously never uh, financial advice, but like, what are you looking at lately? Like what kind of projects are the, are the profile picture projects kind of dead? Is it all about uh, interoperability? for assets nowadays? Like, what are you looking at as far as the NFT market goes? I mean, right now, obviously, we're dealing with crypto winter, right? Like, everybody's kind of taken a step back. All the people who aren't true believers have kind of written us off as a bunch of hacks and Looney Tunes people, and we're idiots again. Even though this keeps happening every two years, it bounces back, and everyone wants to buy in. Um, so... What I have seen resilient and keeping value are the true art projects, like actual artists who are selling physical pieces of art and then giving the NFTs as a, a virtual way of showing that this piece of art is legitimate by putting whatever the, you know, the, the barcode or whatever on the blockchain to show like this is the actual one this is not a copy this is this is a real thing 
that I feel like is going to be a source of value for uh, crypto and blockchain technology moving forward outside of any of the weird hype that the media wants to add to things. And I think that still holds value right now, even in this weird time. You and I talked earlier about how, you know, 2024 is going to be a big year and rising tides lift all ships, right? So once the Bitcoin stuff starts coming back, Ethereum will jump again and everything else that has utilitarian value will also jump again. So coming end of this year, beginning of next year, maybe mid next year, things are going to start jumping up again. But as far as NFTs are concerned, where I, I think the real value is, is in validation of ownership. And anything where you can show ownership of an, whether it's tied to real space or not, um, the idea that you've, you've invested in, you've bought a thing and you now own it and it exists in your wallet and you can prove it on the blockchain. That's where I really think there's going to be value here no matter what. Like even next crypto winner or whatever, that's going to be the place where we, we can really see value here no matter what. I 100% agree. Yeah, 2024 is going to be a big year, but um, I think 2023 will be able to outweigh the uh, the phonies, you know, these uh, the guys who got lucky during a bull run and now they, they call themselves experts and they they drain the, uh, you know, liquidity out of a project before it even gets started. Uh, we've seen it all too many times before, but, uh, you know, they're out there and hopefully they, uh, you know, their meme coin, you know, uh, what was the last one? ETH, uh, red pill ETH. <laughs> it was a Swifty coin or something. Oh, you lost some money on that crab, man. It's going to be fine. I hope you didn't buy that pump. Um, you know, it's still going on every day and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's crazy stuff out there. Um, are there, you know, we all know 99.9% of, uh, you know, crypto projects, they're not going to make it. They're, they're not even made to make it, but, uh, as far as networks go, I'm a big fan of the uh, Ethereum network. I like the Cosmos network uh, for gaming. I was recently introduced to the Solana network. I'm enjoying it a lot. I, I, you know, there are some really cool, um, you know, games on there that actually look like games. That makes sense. So, um, what kind of what, what networks do you, do you like? You know, Solana's like great. Polygon. Polygon. You know, the gas prices are cut into a fraction of you would if, of what you would pay on the normal ETH network mainnet. Um, you know, it's just the crazy thing to me is this whole thing has existed for just over a decade and I'm sorry, but I don't think there's anyone that can be a quote unquote expert. Like I, I know a lot of people who are doing dev node ops for some crazy, you know, maintaining, actually maintaining Solana. Like I know a lot of the guys who maintain that network. And if I were to ask them tomorrow, are you an expert? They'd be like, nah. We're, we're just trying to keep this thing going. You know, these are probably developers who learned in Python or in, you know, Ruby on Rails, and they're just trying to keep everything going because nobody's an expert. This hasn't been around for long enough for anybody to be an expert. All we're trying to do is create an environment where people can operate the things we're trying to get off the ground and not get taken. We want a world where less people get bamboozled and robbed and have their wallet stolen. That's all we're trying to do. Amen. That's what we need. 
we need more good people out there fighting the good fight because for some reason it seems like the loudest people uh you know the ones who, who put their funding into marketing and not uh you know actual safety and you know the the project they're building that those are the guys that get the most attention unfortunately and that that's that's a real shame you know especially when uh, we have a I like to think a web three is like an empowering tool, you know, this gives a creative platform to those, especially in L2 where the gas fees are near dirt cheap. You know, people can put their art up. They have a platform that they, you know, can host on and show other people their work. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good use cases outside of, uh, you know, smart contracts for this, this, uh, technology, but you know, we all, we all need to stay safe and, uh, you know, it's good to know that there's some people out there with real world experience that are coming into the space to, uh, you know, kick some butt because uh, I'd be uh, I'd be remiss to say I, I, I'd bet the house that there's some some major players that if they had an outside audit, uh, they might uh, find some some issues on the back end. So I'm, I'm definitely glad you're in the space and I'm glad we got to introduce you to anybody. I know you had a bunch prepared and I, I kept going on tangents, but um, <laughs> that's how it goes over here. It's real, real laid back, as you can tell. But, uh, you know, uh, did you have anything else you'd like to uh, to bring up? I know uh, I wrote down everything you were mentioned. You wrote down rug pulls and scams and capital letters. So I got all excited. And I, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I know there's a, enough to go there for uh, hours and hours, but uh just making sure we didn't miss anything that you had prepped before, uh, you know, I start asking a couple more questions going on some more tangents. No, um, honestly, I just, like I said, I, I, I would like this to be the first of, you know, a few, if not many. And, um, I really wanted to touch on the things for people to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, if, if the thing that's asking you for private information was not initiated by you, don't give them anything. And if, if there's one takeaway that I could present, I hope that's it. Um, other than that, I mean, like you said, we can talk about this kind of stuff for like, I could talk all night, but, um, if anything, you know, maybe we can zero in on something else or see if anybody has any other topics they'd like to go over and we can come back to it uh, on a later uh, thing. Cause we've been talking for like an hour and a half now. So, yeah, I was going to open the floor to questions. I, I know there's, we got every type of collector and, uh, you know, creator in the space right now. Um, you know, Turtman came up and asked to speak. You got anything you'd like to uh, say to our guest here? Oh yeah, man. I just wanted to jump in and say that, you know, this is a real good space to be having. Um, because like, you know, a lot of us that came over into L2, we kind of came over from, you know, GameStop and not so much the technical aspect of it. So with us being in this new space, it's going to be really good to have conversations like these so that way people can, you know, understand like what to look out for as far as like a smart contract. Because the GameStop wallet just gave all of us access to layer one and that's smart contracts. So, you know, that's something for us to really like look out for and look for audited ones. And a lot of people don't even know that there are audited or verified smart contracts, you know, that you can go and look at and check and stuff like that. So this area is going to be something really good for the community, I think. Awesome. I really appreciate it because that, that really is where we want to be moving uh, looking forward, if we can build things right now, smart contracts only exist by and large. I know we're, I have a couple of companies I'm talking to that are trying to build smart contract wallets where the wallets themselves have smart contracts built into them. 
Um, but as of right now, what's publicly available, smart contracts only exist in a way to facilitate the movement of a cryptocurrency and how you buy it and what happens to it as it moves and change, changes ownership, right? So if you do buy one of these royalty ones and they have built into it that 8% goes to the original creator every time it changes hands, if that price goes up and up and up and it changes hands 10 times, they get 8% of each one of those uh, transactions, which is great for an original creator. But if we can use the smart contracts to build safety nets in for everyday transactions, that's where I want to move to next. And that's where we're kind of in a novel space with um, with uh, sec DevOps and as far as the crypto space lives right now. So I love that it's interesting to people who are working in that space and um, just know that we're, we're working on it. That's awesome to hear. And uh, if you need any guinea pigs, I'll, I'll boot up the virtual machine. I don't mind. Uh, I like breaking things also. You know, I, <laughs> it's kind of my specialty, especially websites. But, uh, you know, um, does anybody have any questions? I know that uh, I mentioned this earlier. If you put it in the comments, you know, kind of maybe let me know and ping me. That way, I, there's a lot of comments in there. And uh, obviously, I, I know I brought this up earlier. Are you like the Axie Affinity rental program, right? The uh, scholars and the, you know, whatever. I, I never got involved with it. That was before my NFT time. I, uh, I thought it was all schemas. But um, they have new, uh, and I did put it down here. It's called Blue Mint. I know that they're kind of just like a, like a, I don't know what you'd call them, like a, what do they do? They put, uh, I don't know, they're like a Google registration form, but there's, they're talking about doing uh, NFT rental for gaming tournaments. Like if you need a certain NFT to get into the gaming tournament, you can rent through their third party thing. Um, how do you feel about third party rental NFT, uh, you know, gaming situations? Cause there's, this is not the only company doing it. This is just the first one I could find the website for. I mean, I, I just think, an, with. yeah, I mean, it, it's an expansion of how people are going to, how people and companies are going to be um, building ways of getting revenue through this medium. It's so new, again, that people don't know what to do with it yet. Companies don't know how to make money here. And it feels by and large that most of the companies are playing catch up. You know, I'm, I'm working with one of the big three tech companies right now who just came to us and said, oh, we want to have like an NFT thing. And I'm like, yeah, you're you're like a year late. You know, we'll we'll do it for you. We'll help you. But this isn't going to do what you think it's going to do because people don't care about this right now. Maybe it'll swing back around and you'll make some more money on it next year. But OK, you know, we'll, we'll accept the work. That's fine. Um, but as the, the medium progresses, as the technology moves forward. Uh, this idea of, of NFT rental is just another part of how people are and companies are going to monetize the use of the technology. And um, I have no problem with it. I think it's definitely a functional way of using it. Um, I don't think this is the best way of using it. I don't think we've gotten there yet. But um, but yeah, I don't know. It's It's fine. I have nothing against it. All right. Well, if you're saying it's safe, then it's safe. Cause I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm always skeptic of those things. I don't really like the games that 
have a barrier to entry anyway. I think, uh, you know, the best things we have right now is, uh, you know, uh, accessibility, relatability, and, uh, you know, education. Obviously, people need to know which games are safe. Obviously, there's a, a huge schemas going on. Um, you might be you're definitely probably aware of it, the uh, malvertising, right? Where it's uh, not just Web3 games, but the OBS, Audacity, basically all of the, uh, you know, downloadable, you know, high, you know, high download links. OBS is for like streaming, Audacity is for audio, you know, there's yeah, other yeah. ones as well. Um, the, the sponsored ones are actually malware. And which when you download it, it might even download OBS, but it will also download, you know, uh, keystroke logs, like all sorts of stuff. And some of them are, uh, you know, hard to identify. And that's been going on for a while, but they also do it with the uh, crypto gaming websites, the crypto NFT project websites, right? Where you like, you know, you click on it and then, uh, you know, you're not actually on their legitimate page. And then, you know, you connect your wallet to it or, uh, you know, worse off, you give them your, you know, your seed phrase. But, um, I guess you're worse off if you connect your wallet, most likely, actually. But, uh, you know, that's been happening a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you're aware, but just so everybody else knows, avoid all the sponsored uh, top ones for the, uh, you know, for any download and, and also, you know, Web3 NFT projects and stuff. Because it's real easy just to either pay to promote it to be on the top or just pay more SEO for it to be on like above the other one. I saw that personally with Alluvium, there's like three cloned websites that are spelled nearly identical. And, uh, it, you know, I was emailing a moderator who then started discord messaging me who turned out not to be the same guy and it doesn't matter, but, uh, I got bamboozled myself, so it can happen to anybody. Obviously, luckily it was a, a burner wallet and they got a bunch of shit coins, but uh, I really thought RVP was going to the moon, man. <laughs> well, just to be clear, I'm not saying that NFT rentals are by and large safe. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's we're, we're going to be seeing a lot of places where companies and individuals are going to use this new technology in a way that is marketable and will make money. And I don't think the NFT rental space is 100% a bamboozle fake thing. There might be some companies in there who are trying to be legitimate and make some money. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't want to come off and saying like, Oh no, it's all safe. And then somebody clicks on something and I'm, they're yelling at me. So <laughs> no, no, no worries. Yeah. Obviously it's a case by case uh, situation. Um, I know that smiley again, just wrote something uh, up here about, uh, yeah, if, if you want to say it yourself, you can, but, uh, Oh yeah, you know. No, sorry, hey, uh, I was just basically saying that you know we're we're at the place with Web three gaming, um, at least on on the L two space where we're just starting to see where what use cases there are. Right, there's a whole bunch of potential use cases where these NFTs could wind up having recurring uh, and value and utility over and over and over again. So uh, I like I, I sketched out a couple of those in the comments, right? Um, when, when we start seeing more and more use cases, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, that'll change the, the, the economy a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, uh, there's definitely a lot of use cases, even just the art aspect. I'm really into the philanthropy stuff that's been going on. Uh, GME Wizard, who is in the UK, so he could not make it, I guess. 
uh, you know, you buy a token, you, you get a tree planted. It's pretty cool. You know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of use cases for digital assets that don't have smart contracts. And I know you were talking about something else, but I just like to bring it back to something you know, philanthropic. Like, I, 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 and I think one of, the, one of the main concerns here is that, not concerns, but one of the main topics here is that this is a, like, we're on the bleeding edge of how this gets done. The people who are designing the systems aren't fully fleshed out on how to do it correctly yet. So for me, the idea is to stay focused on the security end of it. But the reality is that people are going to find utility and find new ways of selling all of this stuff every day. So, um, you know, just keep an eye out, keep safe, and uh, try not to give away any of your personal information. Keep safe, that's for sure. And uh, I'm having an issue with my VPN provider, um, Nord. They're, it's just cutting in and out. Uh, who do you recommend? Are you a Casper guy? I have about five different VPNs that I use. Um, I personally prefer to build my own. So I VPN home to my firewall when I'm out of the house. But uh, Nord is good, but I feel like they split tunnel a little bit too much. It's too convenient. Um, other than that, uh, let me look up who I use for some other stuff, and I'll, I'll tell you in like five minutes. I just need to look it up. Hey, no problem at all. Appreciate your time. Sliver, you're up here. You're co-hosting. I don't know if we have your attention, but do you have anything, uh, you know, you'd like to say it's going to be real embarrassing if you're not here man. no no i'm here <laughs> uh honestly this has been so cool um it's like this is a little bit of what my background is uh with doing the it in the navy um but this is probably a lot more advanced than anything i ever did um but i i am glad to see that other people are worried about uh security because that is a huge huge thing um especially with any new spaces and just like the whole of technology because it's it's always developing it's always advancing there's always someone trying to do something that could be malicious and there's always another person trying to counter anything that happens um so it's really a battle back and forth and i think as long as you have like the good people working on it and figuring things out uh, that you're going to be fine in the long term. Uh, and I think as, as long as we can get projects and individuals to be more vigilant and be aware uh, and educated on the topic, uh, then it's going to make things so much easier. I agree with that. Education is so important. So I'm not sure if Rob can hear us, but you are welcome on the show whenever. In fact, uh, Sliver here is uh, helping us with some educational stuff. We're going to be posting on the website. We're thinking about doing a show. Uh, hey, you're here. I didn't know if you could hear me. But um, yeah, this is uh, everybody's really appreciative. I'm getting ma a massive amount of DMs um, you know, from people that uh, popped in and out real quick. And uh, you know, they can't wait to hear the final recording. So did you find that uh, that info, by the way? Oh, sorry. I, I actually, uh, Sliver, is your uh, is your screen name or handle uh, at all related to the open source uh, Cobalt Strike alternative? No, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 
it, it's uh so i'm a trader right um and my whole thing is like you don't need the whole pie you only need a part of it you only need a sliver okay that makes sense yeah but now i'm gonna have to look into that do i need a <laughs> well cobalt strike is a is a widely used uh uh privilege escalation tool for when we're invading systems <laughs> uh, but you have to pay for it and uh sliver was designed by a third-party company to be an open source version of that and uh so sorry that's that's what i thought it was interesting no i'm gonna have to go into that that's kind of neat had no idea but no yeah that's uh out of my uh, realm of expertise i'll tell you that um <laughs> in fact the whole show feels like it's gone over my head luckily i get a you know go back and edit it so i'll be uh listening again but um no this has been really great again uh you know you're always welcome on the show uh i've been telling everybody about your blog i did uh post that uh you know the cash flipping scam quite a bit and then i pinned up here your website and your link to the blog in fact i've put a bunch of pins up here and the third one is uh, blog.startup.security. I had it backwards. Um, great stuff in there. And, uh, you know, keeps adding to it, which is even greater. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, it's great reading material. And, uh, yeah, I uh, really appreciate you having up here. Um, what do you have coming up? You know, are you? Uh, I, I think you, you should have your own show, to be honest. I mean, hell, people are putting this info that you're giving out for free behind paywalls. I mean uh at your level you could be big on the youtube you could be the linus tech tips of uh, web3 security i mean honestly man i'm just trying to be an evangelist for the space i've i've been a true believer in crypto since it first began uh i live to make people safer in all possible ways and um anything i can do to help out man that's what i'm here for well we love to hear that because we're a very open community and uh Welcome to L2, the Loop Ring Gang. It's, we're uh, we're new. We're happy to have you on. Really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, uh, are you going to be more active on this Twitter? Is this going to be you? I, I'm, I'm kind of digging the profile picture. I'm not sure where it came from, but uh, that's that's a fishy fam NFT from <laughs> from last year. I do have this this weird feeling like most of the NS, NFT space was designed and named to keep anyone over 30 away. And it was all because all the names are really stupid sounding. So everything's like fishy fam or, you know, some other nonsense. Um, by the way, the, the, the VPN I use for most of my stuff around the house is PIA private internet access, and they accept Bitcoin and a bunch of other stuff. Really? Have yeah. you heard of the DVPN from uh, the Cosmos network? I know they were, uh, DVPN's good, and then I had a, a a black box VPN that I also relayed my crypto through uh, <laughs> through a Tor network to get it to them, and uh, I think they thought they were getting it from like Norway or something. Okay, well, I'm gonna have to do some reading uh, at the end of this show, but uh, again, we really appreciated you having on. We're we're pushing on the two hour mark, so I know that. Uh, you know, we've kept a lot of your time, but open invitation. Turnt Man here does a show on Fridays at 9 p.m. I'm sure you're welcome on his show as well. We know the community, so if you want to keep educating people, we can put them in front of you. That's for sure. 
And uh, again, appreciate your time very much. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. You know, this has been uh, a pleasure, honestly. Thank you for the show. I'm, you've been a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Rob, especially uh, great guy. Goodbye everyone. Thanks everybody. <laughs>